Hello and welcome to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast, podcast number 28. I'm your host, Brian. With me tonight, as uh, as always, is always there, Ian. I've missed one. <laughs> Not always. Oh, I, I'm, you know, I'm so sorry to accuse you of that. And the other hanger-on always seems to be there every time I turn around. Mac. Oh, now he's not talking to me. <laughs> My consistency is legend. Yeah, and and tonight with us, guys, we have a special guest. She used to be one of our hosts, one of our co-hosts, whatever. We have with us tonight, Jen. Hello. I'm back. You usually only talk in the last part of the show. <laughs> I know. It's funny how I just show up at the very end. So how's everybody doing this evening? Pretty good. Yeah. All right. I'm getting over some respiratory stuff, so if I go on mute, it's because I'm coughing. No, we prefer it. Uh, we coughing, and uh, seems like we've taken care of all of our breathing problems. Yep. I'm not going to have to oh, switch the zombies to do the podcast with. <laughs> Although that's not a bad idea. No, it's probably not. Probably not. They don't. Yeah. Well, the, the problem ah. is it gets pretty boring real fast when they basically aren't going to say much more than brains. If they even say that, it depends on your zombies. Not all of them are into brains. There you go. You know, you get the slow articulate ones or you get the fast stupids. It's a trade-off. All right. So, um, Skeptic Camp coming up. In, and this is a different Skeptic Camp. The Mile High Skeptics are we're working on our Skeptic Camp. And uh, Thor Collins has a Skeptic Camp up. So, um, I guess Kai is working on this. And uh, um, Brian, I don't know how much Brian Walsh from the Rational Alchemy Podcast. I don't know how. I'm mean, there. They're friends up there. I don't know how in, how involved he is. So that's going on um, February 28th. Yeah, we met Kai last year at um, Denver Skeptic Camp. 28th or 26th. 26th. Saturday. This Saturday. So, so I if you're listening to this next week, you're off. Yeah, really. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, actually, you know, this wasn't, uh, we didn't, we heard um, this was coming up through kind of the grapevine. I, I didn't even really know about it until I got the Facebook and Kai. So I I'm, I can't make it. I have other things yeah. going on that day. Looks I wish like I had more notice. Would be there. Yeah, right. it would have been nice to have more notice because I would have liked to have gone. I would like to participate and help out and force them knock it down. And the Denver one's still being planned, and that we will be updating as it Yeah, goes. and we're hoping that's going to ha- happen in Boulder again this year. That worked out pretty well last year, I think, so I, we're going to try and do that in Boulder again. All right, so moving on to uh, we, we've thought of this old business, huh? <laughs> <laughs> So last week we had a uh, conversation. We we off the cuff read an email um, about the death of common sense, and uh, it, it was it was entertaining at the time. But uh, we we got a um, I had said um, something about the uh, McDonald's cop case and you know about that being ridiculous. And a listener had ri- uh, had written us and was clarified, clarified a few points for me that I didn't really know much about this case. And after looking into it. And what and and well, I don't have the gentleman's name, but he knows who he is. Um, I was very much wrong. I mean, the, the, this is this is certainly not. It um, wasn't a completely issue. frivolous. Oh no, it, it was it wasn't frivolous at all. So I put a link in here um, that talks about the actual facts case. And this woman suffered third degree burns um, on you know on her thighs and genitals and was hospitalized for this incident. The coffee was kept at. Between 180 to 190 degrees, it was it was extremely hot, and um, she got the coffee. She wasn't driving. The car had been stopped, so it wasn't like somebody was driving the car at the time, and they were adding cream and sugar, and that's when it spilled. 
and uh, and burned her quite severely. So this this really brought up um, an interesting conversation, and, you know. And I've had conversations about common sense before, and I've always kind of dismissed common sense as not being so common. And and I really think that that there's uh, a lot to be said for that. That you know, common sense is more an emotional thing. You know, people have things that they feel other people should see as common sense that aren't necessarily common sense. Well, see, the interesting thing about this is when we read that email, mm-hmm. knee-jerk reaction, our gut reaction, 99% of it was, well, hell, hell yeah. Well, in, in, in that lies the problem. Because, yes, that was our gut reaction. And, and you had said that to me that during the podcast. I was like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, when you start to review some of the things that were said in there, um, the issues are far more complicated than they give them credit for. Yes. But if you look at what was said in there, it was all simplified. It didn't really exactly. have the facts. It was one person just saying, hey, this is, you know, what I think is common sense. And no facts, nothing. You know, really just the basics. And you can take all sorts of things and ba- make them so basic like that, that, you know, they sound like something you could agree with when, in fact, you know, so much says no. You know, right. there's more to it. Well, and clearly the coffee is a good um, good uh, explanation. Of it. There's it's another good. one yeah. in there about a... Uh, a child, uh, a young child, I, six, seven years old, that was um, was um, uh, accused of sexual harassment, which sounds like that's crazy. Can you know accusing a, a child that young of sexual harassment? But when you go start looking at the the, the facts in the case, this child had repeated incidents um, more than once, made uh, girls feel uncomfortable. And you look at that, and it's like, well, something had to be that. I mean, this child was acting inappropriately and repeatedly. So you can say, well. I, I don't. I don't think that. Uh, that I think that maybe they went too far. But on the other hand, they needed to make it some sort of impact on the child if he wasn't exactly. Stopping. Yeah, ex- exactly. They they needed to. Um, well, and also send a message to his parents that hey, listen, you know, you need to be doing something. If you guys don't step up and kind of work with your child to deal with the problem, this is what can happen. Right. So as I've gone through those, and I haven't gone through them all, but the ones that I have, I, I'm finding that the issues are far more complex, and these really don't have much to do with common sense. Um, there is a few interesting um, things that they said in there um, that, you know, that they seem pretty, pretty common sensible. Don't spend more than you make. Well, how many people have ever bought a house or a car or more money than you have? I mean, we, we we use credit for everything. So, is it common sense to say don't spend more than you make? Well, then um, it's gonna it's gonna be a while before I can buy a house. Maybe that's a good idea. But on the other hand, is so is getting credit going against common sense? Sometimes it is though. So, well, sometimes it is. Sometimes absolutely. credit goes way too far. Exactly, but that but that's a different issue entirely. It doesn't mean that it's all that. Right. No. So all these issues are far more complex. Then we then we gave them credit for on what we were doing that podcast and yeah so the the idea for you to accept that that email and those arguments in that email are knee jerk reactions because if you start thinking about them and start dissecting them and tearing them apart they fall apart very quickly. I took a look at the uh, the part of the email that said you can't defend yourself a burglar in your home and the burglar can sue you for assault. It's you can defend yourself for a burglar in your home and the burglar can actually file a civil case afterwards, but you'd have to get a pretty bad judge. You'd have to be in some, in some kind of egregious circumstance before the burglar had a leg to stand on. Okay, but if I am robbing you, does that give you the right to beat me? Well, there are the make-my-day laws. Yeah, there are. Which basically exactly. say that you know, the person does have a right to protect his life and property. Yeah, but you um, But you'd well, have to I'm... prove... You have to prove that, yes, the person was not invited in, the person was some sort of danger. Right. 
So even yeah. there, that it, it's, I mean, it's more complicated. And with a lot of those, I've heard people say, you know, that uh, that that if you're gonna if you're going to use that, you better kill that burglar. It's like, wow, I've heard has, that I same mean, thing. Like, is, is that Which really is, the case? The burglar can't the burglar can't come back at you and kill it. Right, exactly. It's like, wow. I mean, that's pretty extreme. Um, I've heard about not just the make my day laws, but somebody was discussing castle laws. As in a man's home is his castle, and they extend the castle laws out to the property and the vehicle. And I plan on doing a little more looking into those. Yeah. So, but even that one, when you start to look at it, is it is it common sense that you you should be able to you know assault a burglar just because he's robbing your house? Do you have the right? I mean, it's not a common sense issue; it's a legal issue at that point. Yeah, it is a legal issue. Well, he was ta- and he was talking about right yeah. Mac was talking about the castle laws extending to your property. Oh, uh, that can get really messy because if you know a kid decides to cut across the lawn, what right do you have to go after the kid? Right. There's probably some people who would think, hey, you know, I, I should be able to smack that kid good. Like, wait a moment, no. Exactly. <laughs> well, no, I think that uh, if the kid crosses your property, you do have the right to sell him and his parents as serfs. <laughs> really cool. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I can start making a lot of money. Then. I live right across the street from that school, and you know how many times the kids walk, cut through my lawn? Wouldn't it be I'm more common that law. sense to do... Now, uh, as your agent, I do take 15% of it. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't it be more commonsensical to practice prevention? You know, Commonsensical. Yes, commonsensical. <laughs> I'm making up my own words today. <laughs> practice prevention and... As far as things like robbery goes, I mean, there are... Certainly things you do to make sure that your house is safe. And uh, it just seems like because someone breaks in, one, the chances of a robber who's trying to rob you breaking in when you're actually home are pretty slim because they don't want to be there when you're home. That's right. right. Well, that's the, true, too. The chance of them actually being armed and dangerous is actually very slim as well. Very rarely will they carry any kind of guns. You know exactly, what they say. because the uh, charges are more severe. Right. A couple yeah. prevention well, is worth a pound of and also the Go ahead. I say a couple of preventions worth a pound of cure. I, mean, I don't know how to measure either. Thing, <laughs> I, I don't know how to measure them. <laughs> but yeah, I don't hear burglars are actually burglars are actually a pretty cowardly lot and will we'll run away at the first sign of hearing anyone oh, around. Yeah. Oh yeah, they don't they don't want to be there. Ian, Ian, let's hear you say that again. Except say that in a more sepulchral voice. Say coward criminals are a cowardly superstitious lot. <laughs> Uh, I don't quite have it in to mess with my voice tonight. And then dress up like a bat. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, I think that I think a cup of prevention is worth a pound of cure. An ounce. Is only valid is depending upon. I, I think it's an only depending upon what temperature oh. the cup is kept at, though. Uh, uh, <laughs> an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Okay, well, I mean, those. But how do I, I still? You know, they don't fit on my scale. <laughs> So anyway, so we put a couple, we have a couple of Wikipedia articles in here. Um, but I think that the, the last line in, in this, on this, in, the, if you go to Wikipedia for common sense, it says, often ideas that may be considered to be true by common sense are in fact false. And I think, No jackets in the cold does not equal getting sick. Yeah, there you go. So there's one right there. <laughs> That's my pet peeve common sense one. Cold will not okay. make you sick. The thing that I found interesting though here is that the common sense is actually something from Aristotle's time. It's it's something that's been with us for that long. And, and that being the case, I think we're always going to have a, an, an impulse to go, okay, well, if, if it's common sense, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, but the and way they were talking you, about you, it. You may rethink it. The way they were talking about it was more like a sixth sense, that it coordinated the other five senses and came up with an idea based on information, and so it was kind of 
an intuition. Yeah, rather than knowledge that makes sense to the whole that's held in common between people in a society. So it was it was very different than what I think of when I think raise common sense. Yeah. I think based upon this that I'm going to give up on using common sense and just stick with conventional wisdom instead. <laughs> and so that means in a few months we'll do all things just like this on conventional wisdom and how you can perceive that all sorts of different ways. Yeah. I'm going to yes, stick indeed. to I'm going to stick to prudence and sound judgment. <laughs> okay. I think so. I think we can move on now. I think we've beaten that one well enough, haven't we? Yep. <laughs> All right. Tell me about the flying car. Okay. I thought this was cool. <laughs> Basically, they have a they have built a car which is in, which is a it's hit, set to hit the market in 2012. But essentially, it it can translate transfer transform from a car into a plane in about 30 seconds. It's it does require a pilot's license in order to drive the car. Yeah, because it. it's a plane, not a car. Yes. <laughs> um, on the road, it it with the wings tucked up, it can fill up with gasoline at a normal filling station, and it'll fit in an average sized garage. But they're hoping to sell about two hundred of them. So not quite a mass market item. Well, no, because you have no. to, you, you still have to be a pilot. All it means is that you yeah. can drive it to the airport. <laughs> yeah. At least it's not a flying craft based on a Yuka. We talked about that in another podcast. Remember, uh, inventors killed by their own inventions? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I remember um, a little while ago reading an article that talked about why there will never flying cars, at least not to the extent that we've seen on TV and stuff, you know, like the Back to the Future jets and such. Right. Primarily because if you think of the traffic problems we have on the ground, you don't want that, you know, several hundred feet above people's heads. Yeah, yeah, some people have a hard enough time staying on, on the there, street. That, that, that could get pretty nasty if you're busy having um, auto accidents in the sky. Well, it's a fun thing. It's definitely not practical to catch on. It, 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 it's, you know, kind of a neat-looking little thing, though. Yeah. It is. And, you know, if it's not practical right now, but it may become practical coming up here. But it, it definitely looks like a plane. Yeah, it looks a lot like a plane. So now all you need is a mask, and you can um, fight the forces of venom. <laughs> oh, excellent. I wonder how many people got that reference. I got it. Well, good for both of you. <laughs> I don't know. It's all something right. that Batman might. You never played with the mask toys? Uh-uh. No. Yeah, they're no, they're I... vehicles that one to the other. Oh, okay. Batman, Batman has a plane, at least according to the Tim Burton movie, Batman has a plane that can be taken out by a single person with a revolver. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Uh-huh. Are, are we ready to talk about Mike Adam, the Health Ranger? Yeah. I know, I really do need an echo. <laughs> Maybe I'll go back in and in post, I'll make that echo. Okay. Uh, this, okay as I think all of us know, we have some issues with homeopathy. I don't know if they've picked up on that in the last 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> really? Because um, I've, been, I've been so complimentary of it. <laughs> And I think it was the last podcast, or was it one before that, where we talked about the massive overdose? It was, it was the last. It was the last one. Yeah. 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 And so, what you have here is Mike Adams, who's apparently big time proponent of the. Okay, no, it's not only homeopathy; it's anything right. natural. It, when it, when it, right. you can apply the naturalistic fallacy to just about anything that Mike Adams comes up with, <laughs> and he's or Mike Adams. Yeah, Mike Adams. I, we I thought Mike. about naturalistic fallacy on this, but too easy. <laughs> well, yeah, anyway, right, but he's trying to sell his crap is what he's trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. So All right. What you have, the, the first thing we have here is um, his rebuttal to massive overdose. Okay, um, so here's, yeah, so what he's trying to do here, it, the, the article starts off by, by, by 
I know it starts off with an ad hominem attack that skeptics don't know it, what homeopathy well, the, is. The article is nothing but an ad hominem attack. <laughs> right. Oh, I wouldn't say it's nothing but an ad hominem attack. <laughs> it's an ad hominem attack. attack from beginning to end, but he, he likes to dance around a few other fallacies while he's at it. <laughs> a few? <laughs> okay, so he, he starts off by, by you know, basically... Um, well, he, I mean, he starts off by basically accusing skeptics of not understanding what, what homeopathy is and, and the remedies. And, 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 and it's a no-brainer that you can't overdose on these things. Okay, but not only did people not overdose on them, they actually didn't suffer the relief that they should have gotten from Many, many people took sleeping pills and stayed up all night after, after this, these overdoses. So, and so that's, it doesn't that's, matter whether or not they killed them. It matters that they didn't have any effect at all. Right, and I think that's the bigger point here is that the, that these medicines, not only can you not overdose on them because there's nothing in them, they also don't provide the beneficial effects that are claimed. The only effect they provide is a placebo effect, and that's if you happen to believe that it's going to work. Right. Right. Okay, so, uh, so sticking to the article, go ahead, Ian. Okay, so... I, I put this under, um, can you pick out uh, something like that? Um, let's see at home. Uh, don't don't worry about that. Don't worry about the logical okay. fallacies here. Let's just cover the article. Okay. Because the, so the fallacies the article, are self-evident. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the various claims he makes um, is, first off, that um, drugs are toxic. Okay, so everything is toxic somewhere. Well, and that's yes, true, but... He, he's specifically going after drugs and modern medicine as being toxic. Okay, yeah, so, and he and he goes into that pretty specifically, and he talks about how drugs, when you take these things, that you lower your IQ. That every time you get a, um, a vaccine, you are lowering your IQ. So he's anti-vaccination. He has one line in there that really, I um, thought, so just, uh, he says, you know drugs are kicking in when you... When you start getting worse, which is quite odd because when I have a headache and I take ibuprofen, I get better. Do you get stupider too, though? <laughs> uh, I yeah, normally feel dumber before taking ibuprofen because I have a headache and I'm not concentrating. Right. Yeah. Well, so that I mean, in that lies the lies one of the big issues here with what he's saying is that he's claiming that all these things are toxic. Well, in a sense, he's not lying. They are. Uh, chemotherapy, which he loves to harp on here, yes, is toxic. But that's the point. That's the point. And at certain levels, we can we can use that toxicity to our advantage. So we can use these techniques and these drugs at levels that are safe for the people that are using them and and are effective that's at helping the immune system. Dosing. Right. Exactly, and he kind of he, he he intentionally glosses over those facts um, yep. in the article that you know that these that these things are being used at safe levels, and he's saying, well, go ahead and go overdose on one of these. Well, we wouldn't be so stupid because we, I know that there's actual active ingredients in them, and that they and that they're actually effective, and we have you know we have clinical trials to show that these things work, and we have a whole bunch of clinical trials to show that homeopathy has been ineffective based on their claims. Well, and here's something interesting about this article by Mike Adams. I've skimmed, I've gone through this a couple different times, and I don't really see anything in the article where he actually says that homeopathy is beneficial. Um, he does. He gets, So when he's attacking skeptics for not understanding how they, how they work, he starts talking about how the, they work at a harmonic frequency. So, so they work just like the power balance bracelets. And yeah, so well, Jen's point about these was, well, then why don't you just wear them if, it, if it's the harmonics that, you know? <laughs> exactly. You just buy one thing of pills and just carry it with you. 
Maybe they don't have to keep going back and getting more pills. Excellent. Well, yeah, he, he, um, he yells at the big pharma for creating return customers. <laughs> well, homeopathy isn't curing anything either. And, right. And Western medicine... I'll rephrase that. I'm sorry. Homeopathy isn't curing anything. Right. Whereas... Whereas Western medicine... And in a sense, though, even Western medicine isn't curing anything. It, the body is still doing the cure. When you have strep... They give you penicillin. All the penicillin, all the all the penicillin does is knock the strep down long enough for the body's own immune system to be able to fight it. So it's an assistance to your immune system. They'll still fight it off. So, so our medicine is still based on the fact that our immune systems have to do the work. Our body has to do the healing, and we're giving it an advantage to do that better. But but we're not really providing cures, and we in. They're not claiming to either. That's the whole thing about this is that these people are claiming that they have cures. Well, we do know that, you know, when you get sick with certain illnesses, that you need medications so that your body can fight these things off. Now, Brian, are you sure that he actually says that homeopathy is beneficial uh, in here? Maybe not. I mean, I, he says, he says, homeopathy isn't a drug. It's not a chemical. You can drink all you want and he won't overdose on it. It's a remarkable advantage. It means that while 200,000-plus Americans are, are killed each year by toxic pharmaceutical drugs, no one is harmed by homeopathy. But he doesn't actually say in there that it helps. So He, he says it's a chemical, it's a resonance, it's a vibration or a harmony, it's the restructuring of water to resonate with the particular energy of a plant or substance. Okay. We, can't, we can get into the physics of it in a subsequent article, but for now it's easy to recognize that even from a conventional point of, conventional physics point of view, liquid water has tremendous energy and it's constantly in motion. See, but the, in that, in right there in lies the problem. The, it has tremendous energy. Well, okay, if you can split those atoms, absolutely, there could be a potential for some tremendous energy there. But as water is, it is basically an inert, and it, and it isn't really providing any sort of energy. And he tries to go into science some by um, looking at the new discoveries about electrons. <laughs> right. But in doing so, he, like, insults everyone and says, oh, they don't know all this stuff. Like, no, actually science is looking into that, and vibrations aren't really accurate as to what electrons are. But, you know, he's trying to pretend to have some scientific background, and then he, he makes the claim that this won't be taught in universities until 2020. No, it'll be taught in universities as the facts come up to um, defend exactly what's going on with it. Well, and then he claim, then he makes the claims that, that, they, that people don't understand the theories of homeopathy. Well, we know that there's no actual theories there. At best, we can consider them in science as hypotheses. But there's no theory there because they don't work. So they don't get to, they don't get to have the definition of theory. They only get hypothesis at best. And because you can have a, a million hypotheses that are wrong, and and homeopathy does not work. He wants to get into the physics of it. Okay, let's talk about the law of thermodynamics. You cannot get more energy out of something than you put in. If you remove all the active chemicals, you're removing the energy that is in there. And I'm still pretty sure that he doesn't actually say it's beneficial. He might not. All he, he says yeah. is that it's not harmful. I, yeah. I, I, I will say this, and, and you're probably right that technically he doesn't say that. I got the feeling that he was claiming that it was beneficial as I read the article. Well, you know, common sense will tell you. <laughs> common sense will also tell you that when you dilute something past the point of there being any molecules left in there, you have water. Right. Or, or I'm sorry, was... I'm sorry, you do have dihydrogen monoxide when you're done, <laughs> which we know has been used as a chemical solvent in nuclear power plants. The stuff is deadly. And it, yeah, it has been very toxic, people. 
Well, and you can't overdose on dihydrogen monoxide. If you drink enough of it, you can get a high. You will wash everything, all the chemicals out of your body, and uh, which is, you know, really dangerous. Um, but you can get high off of water. You can't overdose. So if you're says, we call um, surgery person barbaric, which I find quite interesting nowadays. It's like gallbladder removal. Three little slits is all it takes to go in with really sensitive stuff and take it out. You're talking laparoscopics, right? Yeah. But barely hard. There's so many persons nowadays that are that simple that homeopathy will do nothing. That um, stuff he sells. Well, no. And you will most likely die. But surgery, they don't need to be barbaric. They don't cut you open and really go in. Little slits, slip in um, some fiber optic stuff, and you're done. That well, doesn't sound very barbaric to me. Yeah, I mean, look at if you look on his site here, there's a it's calling some natural pia, and the claims are 98% organic, 100% natural. Well, those are kind of one and the same. How how can it only be? I mean, it should be 100% organic, right? If I'm gonna if I'm gonna ingest it, I I would prefer that. <laughs> um, but you know what else is 100% organic, natural? Poison ivy. Well, I wouldn't recommend ingest that. Well, I would I would prefer hemlock if I'm gonna if I'm gonna <laughs> drink a plant. Well, you guys just blanked out there. No, Abe, just you. Yeah, it's just you. Okay. You were having one of those, you know, lapses. <laughs> I guess. All right. Well, so let's move on and talk about the harm of. Oh, you know. Okay. So I put this. In, well, uh, the next thing is that um, uh, Steve Novella wrote a very good article, um, and that that goes through and points out with I didn't feel ad hominem attacks where Mike Adams got it wrong. And so that article, we've got that article here, and it is pretty good. There, about, was, a, there was a little let off. Okay, there was a little. He said, yeah, that, okay. he said that Mike Adams never met an argument too stupid. For him. <laughs> okay. Well, but th- th- that's an attack, right? You know. Man, okay. it may actually yeah. be, that may actually be in fact. Let me, let me, okay, let, let me give you, the, I, let me make the Ed Hallman attack here and say that Mike Adams knows nothing about health. He's an idiot. There, see, I've said it. Now nobody else has to. <laughs> You can reach me at. All right, the harm of homeopathy. You know, I put this in here because you know they they want to claim that there's no harm in homeopathy, and that's one of the claims that he made. So um, so I have a, I linked to what's the harm their homeopathy page, and it goes through a list of people that have died mainly because they they did homeopathy instead of a treatment that could have helped them, uh, and right. a lot of these you know were preventable. Um, the first one um died of asthma. 55-year-old woman died of an asthma attack because she was instructed by a homeopath to take to not take her asthma medication. Right. You know, asthma is very controllable with modern medicines. So, I mean, it, there are extreme cases, you know, where people still might, you know, die from an asthma attack, but the majority of them are, are pretty good. Their life are, yeah, well. they manage their life. And the, the medicines have gotten so much better. I know, being an asthmatic, that the medicines I used to take as a kid compared to the ones now, I have so much fewer side effects, and I think that they actually work better for me. Uh, but I know that the, I don't well, shake you're not and in, stuff. Ingesting. Right? Yeah. When I had to take those pills, they were terrible. Ugh. <laughs> and so this is a list, pretty much, of of uh, people that have been killed by homeopathy mm-hmm. for different uh, for different illnesses. Um, some of them, you know, there's one HIV. Um, they started taking. That's not all of them were killed. There were a few that were. Um... Okay. Inadequate treatment. Inadequate treatment. Yeah. So, so untreated cancer. Yeah. So there certainly is harm here, and people need to be aware of that. But there are harms to taking modern medicines too. But at least you can ask your doctor about them. If you ask a homeopath what the what the dangers are of taking homeopathy, well, there are none because it's not toxic. Yeah, wow. that's not the danger. The danger that, is yeah. not doing what the proper treatments. Do. Right. So, yep. Yeah, so there you go. All right, so 
I'm t- I'll tell you what. When I go to confession from now on, I'm sending a text message. <laughs> That's not what it does. Oh, it's, oh I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's the next step. Ah. Oh. <laughs> All right. Tell me about the iPhone app for Catholics. Well, I'm not surprised it happened. You can almost see this coming. But um, well, why not? So there's, there's an app for app everything app. else. Yeah. So there's a new app for the iPhone that um, what it does, the idea is if you're a Catholic, you can sit, download this, and before you go and confess, you basically prepare everything out so you know how badly sin. <laughs> really? That's not quite yeah. what they're aiming for. Okay, to me, it seemed more like an organizational tool so that you could, you know, lay it out for the priest a little easier and quicker. That way he could get through confession quicker. <laughs> it's supposed uh, to be you know, if a they really want a useful, thing. If oh. they really want to put in a useful app here, they really should give you something that actually directs you to which priests are known in the business as a light penance. Oh. <laughs> okay, they also have the ability to add things that aren't listed. I yeah, I know. One. I love that too. Okay, so we're being flippant here, but he, the, yeah. but the fact of the matter is, is that I see no real problem with this app. No, it, it, it's just more of an amusing thing to kind of look at. But, it, but yeah, basically, yeah, the idea is you can prepare yourself ahead of time. Now, the Vatican um, still have said. It's, this is a good thing, but you still have to go and confess it, which is a big yeah. surprise there. If, if it wasn't it's, for confessing stuff, they'd lose a little of their business. Well, they can't get your money if they don't get you into the church. Yeah. It's not It's not 100% approved then. But no, no, it is. The Vatican approved it. I mean, they basically came out and said, listen, it, you, this, this is fine. It works. But it doesn't mean you don't have to still go to the priest. Yeah, you're not emailing well, the priest your confession. Right. Well, see, now what you one of the things about confession is that it's supposed to be anonymous. You go in your confess booth, you plug the um, iPhone in, just download all, and the priest will look, oh, that's what you did. Okay. <laughs> well, I think it, even better, you know, you're sitting there, and so tell me, tell me, child, have you sinned? Well, Father, didn't you get my text? <laughs> I sent you an email with the whole list. It was a long one. I don't want to go through it here now. How many Holy Fathers do I got to do? <laughs> Terrible. No. <laughs> yeah, but it, it still feels like it's headed that way. <laughs> Well, no, one of the big things about Catholic confession as opposed to um, maybe other denominations of Christianity is that part of it is that saying it out loud to another person makes it more real and really makes you acknowledge what the sin was and take ownership of the wrongs that you've done. I'm trying to movie. I think it was no angel or something like that. Um, Matt Damon was in it, and it was at a Catholic school, and they were getting ready for confession. And he was actually helping the other kids go through, okay, no, you don't confess to that. Cross that out. Now you have to add that you've lied another time. <laughs> you know, it's only, it was really just something up your confess. So, no, you don't want to admit to that. So you have to turn it into a different sin that you'll admit to. And that way it cancels it out. Yeah. There's always somebody trying to work the system. That's what I'm saying. Go to a priest who's a light penance. <laughs> That's actually something I took off an old old George Carlin routine. He was he was he's like you know it's not that he didn't it's not that he didn't understand the sins it's just that he didn't seem to take them quite so personally. <laughs> All right, well, this doesn't quite count as insanity, so let's move on to something that does count as insanity. Okay, no, the, okay, so uh, this is this is another. I don't know, this one's possession, but the, this this okay. So another terrible case where a parent has. Um, damaged their young child and claimed that the child was possessed. In this particular well, instance, um, the, the child, uh, the mother slapped the child extremely hard in the head. Um, oh, what were we going to say? Well, it was, it was uh, she had to have. Who 
I, I, I'm not sure if I believe that she thinks that ahead of time or if she came up with that after. No, it's afterwards. I kind of got the impression she came up with it afterwards. Yeah, it, it's afterwards. You know what? It, it's 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 another bogus defense as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. I mean, I'm really – this is what is really irritating me about every single one of these cases. And in this one, it's particularly blatant. The other ones, it seemed like, you know, they, they might have started out saying that, you know, we're exercising the person. This one, this seems clearly to be an afterthought. She, that child, she smacked it upside the head extremely hard. Well, and she would have had to have shaken the child, too. Um, not according to what, I, um, uh, what I've read. A, um, a blunt force um, trauma to the head could okay. cause these things. Well, the article, the article I, I listened to, the Nancy Grace thing was talking about shaking. Yeah, they, they talked about shaking, but I don't think Shake that was... rupturing the eyes. Right, but um, actually, if you hit the kid in the head hard enough, you can create the same effect. And the, um, I listened to the sheriff's um, press conference, and the sheriff um, said that it was a blunt force strike to um, to the head. And so that's what the, okay. that's what the sheriff has said. I've only heard in one place um, about this being um, a possession, and, and it's only here, and it's it's almost like a footnote. It, it's barely mentioned, um, and it's only mentioned once. I've been looking for more information on this, um, and there isn't any. I suspect that when this goes to court, we're not going to hear about possession again, about the kid being it possessed. It sounds like when I've been testing the water. She, yeah, perhaps. Um, I think the only possession we'll time. hear about and when it goes to court is the possession of the pot she was smoking. Well, yes. there you go. That, I mean, that's the thing that really kills me about this case is that she, the child was clearly in, injured. injured and she put it in her crib and smoked a joint. I mean, that is just two so, two joints. That is just so yeah, negligent. So you say, you, you tell me that, I don't care whether that kid is possessed or not. You know, that is negligent. Actually, actually, I do kind of find that understandable on a level because I'm, I'm sure she didn't intend for any harm to come to the child. Probably not. And but, when uh, she put the baby down, she was hoping that she'd come back and everything would be fine. But, you know, clearly it wasn't. Yeah, I, yeah it, it, it's just, I know. So, yeah, so both the articles in here re, uh, um, are about the same case. I tried to find as much information as possible, and I found a few more articles since this. Yeah, the reason I was confused was because the second article mentioned absolutely nothing about possession. Well, now, that's kind of the point that I was making, um, is that it was it was a random defense. You know, to me, it seemed very random. But that's one thing you get, you know, they're trying to... A person like that is trying to use sympathy of the religious community right. to um, make her look like not as screwed up as she is. Which is not going to work in a court of law. Yeah. No. I, I don't think that they'll accept those claims. I, I think that you would have to scientifically prove your case for possession, which, to my knowledge, has not been done. I haven't seen well, any evidence. <laughs> if it could actually be proved, it would get her off, because possession is nine-tenths of the law. <laughs> I guess you could say she possessed the child at the time. Okay. All right, moving on. Tell me about the grandmother. Well, a quick thing. The next four stories I have put under her as um, a look at our society, I think almost fit the theme we originally started with about common sense and how different perspectives, because I think each one of these really kind of can be taken in interest ways on different perspectives. So that's one reason why they're here is not necessarily because they really have too much of a skeptical ideas, but because they are levels of our society where you can really look at what's going on and take it in so many different ways. So the first one, you have Christine Case um, from Chicago, Illinois, 61. And she just gave birth to her grandson. Uh, it's not an incest thing. No, no, <laughs> it's definitely not. 
Um, basically, <laughs> her daughter was infertile. She, you know, she still had good eggs, but she just couldn't. Um, her uterus wasn't taking. So the grandmother went through um, tests to make sure she was physically able to do this, and she basically said, "Okay, we'll we'll do in vitro fertilization, and you'll put it in me." And so she carried her grandson for a full term in order to um, make sure she had a grandchild because it meant quite a bit to her daughter. And some of this sounds a bit weird. That's the thing, especially you know. Actually, it's a nice. Stuff like that. It's it's a nice triumph for the family. Right. That's what it, I think most people see it that way. But once more, going with the the idea of common sense having different perspectives, <laughs> you can't some people who find this kind of disturbing. Well, I, it's I against, have to admit, it's against it God. God did not want her to have a child, and so this is going against God. This is sinful. <laughs> yeah. There's certainly that perspective. Um, my first thought was. You know, there's a lot of hormonal, emotional stuff going on being pregnant and carrying a child. And for her, as the being the grandmother, she's going to want to be involved in the life of her grandchild regardless. But having carried the child, I think that she's going to have sort of a higher level of bonding, so to speak. And that right. passing it off to her daughter could be a little awkward. I mean, there's certainly been times when people have decided to give up their child for adoption, even to someone that they're completely separate from, didn't see the child, and were like, you know what, I want that child back. But couldn't you say that of any surrogate, though, really? Yeah. But I think because they're in close proximity, they're going to keep seeing each other, that to a certain extent, it would be really odd. Um, Hopefully, they have a good enough relationship that it's going to be great, but I know that when I had my first child, I really didn't want anybody interfering with my time with that child, especially because it was the first one. It was like, you know, I really want to remember this experience. And I I don't know. I think it could make for some awkward moments. It was horrible. I had to sleep in the garage. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I think, on the other hand, Grandma might get to do all the spoiling and none of the raising. Well, that's probably, I mean, that's typical of Grandmas, though. But, you know, (laughs) there's something to be said for what Jen is saying here. I think it's... to that relationship. There's no I, doubt. Yeah. I see it not being a standard grandmother-grandson relationship. There's going to be a different bond. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I feel like I should mention that I never went through the experience of trying to get pregnant. <laughs> I never... It, we talked about it once, and we have three kids. Um, so I, I can't identify with her having... Um, it said that she carried twins, and they were born stillborn, um, and then yeah. she miscarried. Um, I never went through all that, I'm trying to get pregnant, I'm trying to get pregnant, oh, and then it went wrong, and then trying again, and it went wrong, and trying and trying. So um, from that side of things, I can't identify emotionally with where she was in her. Well, and if you read my the book that I'm suggesting, Sex Before Dawn, mm-hmm. you might get some clues as to why these things might happen the way that they did. Yeah. So then, let's see, the next one is... Um, Natalie Monroe of Philadelphia, 30-year-old <laughs> high school teacher. I'm Basically, so glad you put this in here. <laughs> she has a, a, an online blog um, where apparently she went off about her speed, um, oh, yeah. lazy whiners and um, when everything handed to him, stuff like that. And apparently some of her students saw the blog and realized it was her and reported her. And so now she is um, on suspension with pay. And, um, of course, it's looking to legal action. Mm-hmm. And so this one is definitely an interesting one where it comes down to what, you know, can you say? <laughs> you know, if, 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 it's also an, an interesting note. At the time um, she did this, she was eight months pregnant. Yeah. 
Okay, but that's not an excuse. Well, no, but she had the block for a couple of years. The hormonal, yeah. Yeah. I, too, I can relate to there being a hormonal component, but she had the blog for several years, and there was some positive stuff, and then there was some negative stuff. Um, people seem to take issue with the amount of cursing. It was her personal blog, her, you know. But um, a couple things. You have to be able to bond with the kids in your class and establish some sort of relationship from the beginning. And... I remember years ago, I worked for a very short time in a preschool that I did not think was a very good place. Um, and they had a, they took kids who were in half-day kindergarten, and they would go and pick them up and bring them back. And so they had a qualified kindergarten teacher running that program, and they did after-school care. And she spent so much time just yelling at kids, yelling, yelling, yelling. And she asked me one time, why don't these children listen to me? <laughs> If you are constantly yelling at people, they don't listen to you. If you really want students in your class to be motivated, you need to tell them from day one, these are my expectations. I'm not going to argue about grades. I expect you to work, but be able to do it in a respectful way and actually get to know each child in the classroom in a certain way. <clears throat> Sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> well, but if you do those things at the very beginning of the year, then you're establishing what your expectations are in class and what you're going to accept. You remember that you knew which teachers were hard teachers. Even if you were never in that teacher's class, you you had an idea of what different teachers' styles were like. So right. she's got a certain amount of personal responsibility for what's going on in the classroom, but I think it's entirely possible that there were a bunch of self-entitled whiners in their class, too. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and you also, know, we all get frustrated at times, and we all, you know, I, I don't know anyone who hasn't at some point gone and vented someone else. Exactly. With, with yes. their frustrations about okay. the job and stuff. And that's what it sounds like she was doing here, but it was more of an open forum, and that's part of where the problem comes. She's right. venting her frustrations in a manner where the people she's venting about are very likely to see it. Well, that you would know, be... She made she, the blog 18 and older. And it was anonymous, and she changed names. I mean, she wasn't being completely unaware of, you know, how you should behave online as far as protecting people's privacy. I mean, she wasn't a complete noob, but obviously people were able to put two and two together and figure out who it was. Okay, so, so was she wrong to do clearly so? Clearly she'd done some good teaching the math. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so was she wrong to do this? Was this inappropriate? I, I'm it was. It was inappropriate. But was she wrong to vent her free speech rights? No. It I'll was inappropriate what, the forum that she chose. It was inappropriate. It was it was less than constructive, but I think that as far as from a free speech standpoint goes, she had the right to say everything she said. So I mean here now but here's now, there's the other side of this. If I'm the student and I find this, boy, I'm gonna be really pissed. But how many kids on their blogs bitch right. and moan about teachers? Well, okay, so, but in, in that is, I mean, that's, that's a good point. So at the, you have to, I, there's something to be learned for being the adult in the situation. Exactly. There you go. Um, one of the notes I wrote for myself, sorry to cut you off. Oh, hey, no problem. Um, is that one of the things that we know makes better teachers is when a new teacher starts off, if they are mentored by someone and they have a support system in the school where they work of being able to bounce ideas off of people and vent to senior staff and get that sort of support. We don't know what kind of support system is in place in the school to help teachers be able to vent in appropriate places and ways. 
Yeah, I don't know. I know that I'm not going to get on a blog somewhere and vent about my boss or about my coworkers. I am not doing it. Even, I don't know how, I don't care how anonymous I make it, that's liable to come back on you. That's just common sense. Yes. Well, it has come back. You can look at all sorts of stories where it has come back to people. Well, I think we should talk about, you know, constructive ways of saying what you feel about situations and being logical and, and working through things and not going off on ad hominem attacks. You know, if you're just yelling about how stupid and whiny and lazy all these other people are, you're not problem solving, you're just venting. But there's got to be a way to vent as well. Exactly. So that's up to the school district to be putting um, protocols in place to support teachers so that they have a place to work out these problems and vent appropriately and then problem solve and move past the emotion of the moment. The okay. question that occurs to me here is I wonder how much of what she put in the blog was accurate and how much of it was overplayed because when you're writing a blog you tend to write a blog for entertainment well that's true too you want people to, to read it and if it's too bland you won't so they might be spicing it up a little yeah so it's possible that she got carried away with her thoughts and took them too far for the sake of entertainment right so just a thought there all right so let's move on to little girls gone wild why <laughs> daughters are acting too sexy too soon well, in some ways, it's almost a brain and gen thing more than mine. <laughs> actually are directly dealing with it. Well, I have two boys. But the basic idea, and I think everyone's kind of seen this, there does seem to be more sexuality at a younger age. Yeah, because, you know, there's so many 12-year-olds about... running off and getting married. According to the Bible, I think that's okay. <laughs> no, Bible has nothing to do with that. Sorry. Yeah. But it talks more about the sexualization of our society. And it, there's some interesting stuff in it in regards to how the girls are dressing nowadays, what they're exposed to, what you can find out there. Showing off their ankles and seas. <laughs> but it, you know, the sexy ankle porn site is my favorite. <laughs> Sorry. I, I do take this more seriously than I. I'll behave myself. <laughs> no. no, by all means, not. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead, Ian. I think we'll get back to the article. Yep. So, uh, back the to article... Little Miss Sunshine article. Oh. <laughs> hey, there's a point there. Yes, there is. Uh, yeah, there is. At your age, you'd be crazy to do cocaine. At mine, you'd be crazy not to. <laughs> so, anyways, one of the interesting the article tries to claim is that um, the Disney princess idea are a big part of the problem, which I kind of disagree with, but, you know, they, they try to make their case. Now, one of the interesting things about the princess, which um, I'm trying to remember, I think my dad sent it to me, a um, picture of the Disney princess, and it asked you to name, and I could only name one, and that was the prince of the Little Mermaid, because he's Eric. Uh -huh. Okay. It's about trying to name any of the other princes from Disney. Okay. I think they all have names. But uh, you there's at least them. two of them that were named Charming. <laughs> yeah, that's true. There's a couple of Prince Charming. Well, I, I think they have real names beyond that, but no one really knows them well, because yeah. they're well, if you read the books, um, all the books based off the movies generally have. Okay. The name, but... So name me some princes. It seems to me that the prince in Beauty and the Beast was never referred to by name. I know that um, Cinderella, that prince has a name. But do you know what it is? No, not a clue. Um, um, Sleeping Beauty had a name. Sleeping Beauty's 
Prince had a name, but I can't for the life of me think of it. But I know that I've read it and I've heard it. Okay. Um, Prince Stephen, so maybe? This, or was it King Stephen? Stephen was her dad. Interesting idea to try and say it sexualizes women because the Disney princess thing seems to say the men are just there in the background for you. <laughs> well, it yeah. wasn't the um, that the princesses specifically over-sexualize kids. It's that it indoctrinates them into this idea of consumerism equals my sex appeal. You know what? This is really easy. There's a, there's a real clear answer as to why we don't remember the princes. Because girls like to be princesses. Boys like to be pirates. They don't right. want to be princes. I, I've known plenty of little boys who were Prince Eric. Hey, hey leave your logic out of this. <laughs> and Shrek. Okay, there's so I remember the name of that prince. <laughs> okay. It was Jack Sparrow. <laughs> oh. Okay, no, seriously, no. though. Um, I, I think that one of the other things with the Disney princesses, though, at least the early Disney princesses, was essentially you're looking at a girl who's waiting for a man to come along and solve her problems. And that's gotten less prevalent in the newer Disney movies. But in the early Disney movies, it's pretty much what it all what it was all about. That, that's funny. Um, the prince in uh, Cinderella is really Prince Charming. Yeah. I don't think he has a name. I thought so. I thought so. <laughs> but um, Sleeping Beauty, he does have a name. All right. Let's take a look here. I'm going to Wikipedia. Doggone it. I'm going to Wikipedia. Okay. But, um, some of my thoughts on this. Prince Philip. Yep. Philip. Okay. Stefan was her dad. His name is Philip. Um, this is when uh, skepticism can have an impact on people's lives because one of the things they talked about was advertising and the amount of advertising that kids are seeing a year. And they listed 40,000 ads a year. Um, young children don't have logical thinking brains, and so they tend to take, take things at face value and just kind of absorb everything because very young children especially are meant to absorb everything so they can figure out the world. Um, so... Our children all the time come up with, hey, product X does this. And so we go, uh, really, how do you know? And so we ask them about claims and advertisements, and we ask them to logic things out and think about them. And so we have conversations with them about what they're seeing on TV, what ads they're seeing and hearing on the radio, and whether things make logical sense or if they just sound really good because they use a lot of bells and whistles and fancy words. And it falls on deaf ears, <coughs> even after we have these conversations with them. That's well, it's not so. true. Oh, come on. After a while, it, it does sink in, but it's not just, you can't expect to have the conversation one okay. time. Okay, that's true. Um, our kids do like to be princesses. But they've always got a complex story that's going on, and, yeah. you know, sometimes they're fighting dragons, and today it was princesses and transformers. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, they spent some time today, today. Yeah, they did. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, so they were doing Terminators today. That's, that's, uh, the, your boys' new big thing is Terminators. Yeah. Yeah. Terminators. yeah. But, now, there was one good line in here, um. Let's see, oh, good, because the rest of the trash was boring. Well, it was one line that really, to me, sums it up more than anything else and actually makes sense of both sides. Mm -hmm. And the line was, you can't say, here's the right answer. With all this stuff, you can't just say, okay, th this is the way it is. It's like, no, it's more complicated than that. There's more to it. There's more going on. It's common sense. It. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you can't just pin it down to real basic things. You know, and you can't just tell a kid, this is the way it is. No, you have to go into more depth. And as a parent, you have to make sure they understand why, you know, things are the way they are. You can't just leave it open. Wait, wait, you're trying to get your kids to think? You're failing yeah, as know. a parent. <laughs> now, the other point I want to make on this, which I thought was interesting, is 
it tried to defend the idea of girls being in sports, which I have no problem with. But it's trying to claim that sports aren't going to create um, the same problem. And I disagree with that. I think sports are actually very sexualized. You look at um, sport heroes and stuff, um, they are sex icons. And to think that, oh, well, if I get the girl involved in sports, it won't have this, uh, any sexualization to it. It's like, no. Sports are great. If they love them, get them involved. But don't expect there to be no sexualization coming out of that because there is a sexual species. And so th that itself is not going to counter the sexualization, the idea that you need to um, have some of these issues. That'll just give them, you know, a, a different outlet. Uh, so is this the Iowa girls? Respect boys who refuse to wrestle. Article. Well, yeah. Well, this is definitely going to the next one, which was an interesting thing. Well, before we move off of the oversexualization, there are plenty of alternatives to princesses and giving your two-year-old high heels. Um, as a parent, you have a choice in the things that you buy and the limits that you set. And if you are, you know, thinking about it and talking to your children about it and having clear limits, but you know, giving children appropriate responsibilities for their age, you're not going to run into huge problems later on. It's about being conscious parents and not well, assuming just... that buying stuff is the same as, right. you know, giving your child attention and interaction. Right. The article itself even says there seems to be a probability level with people not being able to say no to their kids. And that's a very important thing with raising kids, is to say no to them. <laughs> you don't want to, and it can lead to um, some fits and such, but you have to learn that there are times where you, you, know, you say no and you stand your ground. I, I tell people a lot that sometimes working with young kids, and some children more so than others, it's like working with a dog, with puppies. You have to be the adult in charge. And yes, children are on a higher level than a dog, but you'll get the screaming and the fits when you say no. But an hour later, they'll be happier because they know that they're safe in your care and that there are boundaries and they're not responsible for everything because the world is a really big place to young children. And it's actually scarier for them to have too much control over what's going on because they really don't understand everything. So, yes, appropriate use of no. All right. So, Iowa girls respect boys who refuse to wrestle her? Iowa girl. Yeah, not this girl. Okay, sorry. Yeah, girl, not plural. One girl. Well, there, well, there, there are two. two girls who oh. made it, but only one that was actually caught up in. Okay. All right. Okay, so you have um, Joel Northup, who is a um, homeschooled young man um, who, through one of the high schools, is part of the wrestling team there. He said he would not wrestle um, Casey Huckleman. Because his religious beliefs tell him to respect women, and his idea of respect says he cannot engage in that kind of activity that might cause harm to her. Uh, okay, that's interesting. But I, I can respect that basic idea. Uh, really, I, I can kind of disrespect that idea because well, no, if she wants to wrestle, is it is it is it right to say that she can't? Well, she was well, able yeah, to. Well, what no, he did was he say didn't, he didn't say that he didn't say that she couldn't wrestle. He said that he wouldn't wrestle with her. Well, okay. So he basically yeah, forced. He him made a choice game. for him, not a choice for her. So he was scared. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, you know, you, you can say that. I can see some jokes going around about him. Oh, he just didn't want to be, risk being beaten by a girl. But if if this really was his religious belief, I can respect that. But it comes down to the idea of what is respect for women. Ah. Uh -huh. <laughs> Now, this came up um, about a year and a half ago at scout camp. Um, I had gone, we did this thing because my oldest boy was a Weeblow, and you go up to the plateau, and um, the Weeblows and their families camp up there for the night. Well, uh, once it gets dark, 
the, um, anyone that wants to could do a little extra hike up into a, a little higher up. Great place to see the stars on for a night. It was a beautiful, fun hike. I went with my boys on the hike. My wife stayed behind. Well, we came back down, and we, um, between me and my wife, we only had one camp chair. She had gotten up out of the camp chair, and here I was exhausted from this extra hike. She had been sitting down there for the last half hour or so in the chair. I decided, you know what, I'm going to sit down in the chair because I didn't, I, I didn't feel like going all the way down to the ground and getting all the way back up. Well, then she comes back out and is like, hey, you took my chair. I just looked at her like, yeah. <laughs> well, another guy there um, was a bit puzzled by this, and he was like, and he got into the idea of chivalry stuff. And I'm like, okay. The way I see it is, me and my wife are pretty much, if she had an actual need for this chair, like she, you know, she, she had done something more exhausting than me, she was sick, something like that, I would give it up for her. But at this point, I don't feel she has more of a need for it, and she can just as easily sit on the ground as I can. And in that situation, both me and the other guy had a different idea of what respect for women is. You know, this is this is a, a, an interesting topic, and I think that we could we could dive into this maybe a little a little more later, where we are starting to run long. Because I, I do think that the, this, this what you're what you're about to head into here could be quite a discussion <laughs> when we we could start to yes. talk about you know feminism and in and you know in some in some really interesting issues that this could lead into. And I'd like to have that discussion, just not at this point. Let me throw this question okay. out there, though, about this guy who was, uh, you know, appealing to chivalry when you took the chair away from your wife. <laughs> he turns it into a fallacy. <laughs> I was going to say, how much, uh, how much gear did he pack in? Did he actually have a couple of horses and lances on him? <laughs> <laughs> um, I was actually going to refer to the article, Mac. Um, you know, it's fine if he wants to say that he doesn't want to wrestle her and he decided to um, stay back from that particular match. Um, and she was fine with it. She's like, hey, that's his beliefs. It's fine. Um, well, she if she hadn't been... By default. Exactly, because he... he um, I can't think of the word, but he stepped Forfeited. back. Forfeited. Thank you. Um, but it wasn't that big a deal because she's a girl and he's a boy and he decided it was about that. If she had been a boy but a different religion and he said you know i'm not gonna wrestle because of this yeah what if what if he what if um it was a muslim and he won't wrestle a christian right i mean that now that's a now it's the same thing right because his religious beliefs let's say and i don't know that that would actually be true um, yeah Yeah, exactly or you know you don't want to wrestle him because he's from a lower caste and he's unclean. You know, there, there are any any number of situations where somebody could step back and go, oh, you know, my religious beliefs say I shouldn't touch that person. I won't wrestle gingers. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> or a, a Jewish cowboy who won't throw cows because they have, they have cloven hoofs. There you go. See? <laughs> yeah, it could very easily devolve into ridiculousness. So, right. I, I'm glad that for them it wasn't that big a deal. But, yeah, at some point. You know, it, when it all comes down to it, he wasn't saying she shouldn't wrestle. Exactly. He was yeah. saying he would not wrestle her because of his beliefs. Okay. And that's that's what the Constitution is all about. Yeah, yeah. okay. I, I'm just saying that if it had been another circumstance, that even though you we were respecting his beliefs, in another circumstance, this could be looked at as religious intolerance. Yep, exactly. It could. Or racial intolerance, or something else. I won't wrestle blacks. Right. I won't wrestle gingers. You know, I mean. So, so in this particular case, we as a society can accept this fairly easily. 
But if it had been another reason, we might people might be upset and in arms. And about you make it. a really good point. All right, so are we moving on here? Yep. Okay. Yep. So I, I just wanted to um to mention a book that I just recently read, and it's called Sex Before Dawn. And if anybody listens to the uh, this week in science podcast, Sex it, at Dawn, Brian. Sex at is it I Sex at Dawn? I'm sorry. Okay, I'm sorry. I will. I will definitely fix that. Six. It is okay. I, I'm swear that I read the book. <laughs> maybe you maybe read. He's the been bugging me about it all week. I love this book. It was it was it was such an eye opener for me. The way that it's written, you know, we have all these, you know, I don't know, cultural I mean, and societal biases, right. and exactly that. This really kind of says, hey, listen, we can need to step back and take a look at what evolution says we're we're really geared towards. And, and it talks about how, you know, religion says that God created us, you know, to be one man and one woman. But yet you look at what our needs are and where we actually evolve from. And it's like, well, hey, wait a second. That is probably not true. And religion is steering us wrong. And they're not dealing with the actual underlying issues that are making their system break down. The It was an excellent book, a really fun read. It's, it's entertaining all the way through. So not only is it a science book. But it's humorous, and the way that it's put together, it was it was a lot of fun to read. I really enjoyed it. I recommend it to everybody. So, especially, well, I mean, <laughs> anybody, actually. I recommend it to you, but, I mean, I think that Ian and Mac and everybody get a real kick out of this. So, I think I'd enjoy it. But is Sex Before Dawn, is it the prequel? <laughs> because I understand that it takes a darker tone. <laughs> Terrible. I tried to change it and change it. Because you're not, see, you're trying to reach Google. Oh, I'm having a problem connecting to Google today. Yeah, I'll change. All right, you change it. Anyway, so it was a it was a great read, uh, a lot of fun. I've, I I fixed I, it. Okay, let's see. And of course, I can't see. All right, is uh, is there anything else, guys? This yeah. is a wrap. Is is it a wrap? So it's we're good. Can we uh, call this one uh, another one in the Tupperware container? <laughs> we can. Excellent. Do we keep it up fresh? I prefer brass urns. Oh, brass urns. You know, whatever. Thank you for listening to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast. For more information about the Amateur Skeptics, go to AmateurSkeptics.com. To send us feedback, suggestions, or big flaming insults, feel free to contact us at WTF at AmateurSkeptics.com. Other contact information can be found on our website. You can leave a voicemail for the Amateur Skeptics Podcast at 720-295-7785. Music for this podcast was provided by OFM. To find out more about OFM, go to mindspace.com forward slash OFMHQ. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons No Derivatives 3.5 license. Thank you for listening to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast.